Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's Dina Calmetta here and Susan Davis with Jesus 24-7. And today we're going to talk about what does the Bible say about what happens after the seven-year tribulation? This is a very interesting topic, Susan, and I am excited to hear more about it. Okay, well, today we're going to take a look at the events that follow seven years of tribulation and the point where Jesus steps foot on the Mount of Olives and he returns with his church, and we call that the second coming of Christ. Now, the first coming of Christ was when he came to earth as a child and had a ministry, and uh, 33 years later, he, you know, died, was crucified on the cross and resurrected. But the second coming, he comes back, he touches down at the Mount of Olives and, and shuts down the seven-year tribulation. Now, the rapture, which takes place just prior to the beginning of tribulation and the 21 judgments, that is not a coming of Jesus to the earth. It's a going out of the dead in Christ and the church to meet Jesus in the air. So it's not really, you know, the second coming. A lot of people get those two confused, and so we wanted to clear that up right away. But I want to say that at the close of the seven-year tribulation, then we move into a new era. It's the thousand-year reign of Christ. And towards the end of that thousand-year reign, there's something really exciting that will happen, and it is about the new heavens and new earth, which even Isaiah spoke of such things. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to listen to a tape that we did previously in our Revelation for Beginners series on what the Bible has to say about the new heavens and the new earth that come at the end of the thousand year millennial reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. So let's take a look at what that is about. It's almost, verse 1 is really just kind of flowing from the last part of chapter 20. So I kind of have to go back here to some of the tail end of chapter 20 to help us understand the first part of chapter 21. But that's what I'm going to do, okay? And so let's take a look at verse 1 in chapter 21, and it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. So to kind of get caught up with this, we're going to have to do a little bit of a review. And so we're going to go back into 20, and I am going to chapter 20, verse 7, because we kind of need to take a look at this. We are at, the, right now, where I'm at is we're at the tail end of the thousand-year millennial reign of Jesus Christ in the earth. Now, this thousand-year reign of Jesus takes place immediately following his coming in the second coming after the seven-year tribulation, where he comes to earth and steps foot on the Mount of Olives, and he shuts down the battle at Armageddon because he, you know, he is the only one that can do it and to stop evil. He has at this point put the false prophet and the Antichrist and Satan away. And so then there's a thousand-year reign of peace and prosperity in the earth with Jesus, the Prince of Peace, in charge. Then 
we come to this part of chapter 20. So I'm going to read this. And it says at verse 7, And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And 8 says, And shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. Now, I think it's really interesting that we see the word nations there because we see that, you know, there are, are still going to be nations in the earth. Isn't that interesting? That's During amazing. that thousand-year reign. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it's very interesting. And so we go forward and we see in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle. So, okay, we see God loosens Satan for a short season to come back to the earth out of prison at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. Now, he battles, he gathers people together to battle with him, and it's the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Now, comprehend that, Dina. That's a lot of people. Take all the sands of the sea. That's a lot of people. Yeah. This is a lot of people. This is not just... You know, he doesn't talk about a handful of people. This is a whole lot of people. And then it goes on to say, and they went up on the breadth of the earth, and then they compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, that would be the new Jerusalem. It says, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Okay, so God does not mess around with these people. They are extinguished. There's the word, okay? (laughs) He extinguishes them with his fire. And so the next thing we see in verse 10 is, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Okay, and there's more here I want to discuss in verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. So who are we talking about here? This great white throne judgment is the one on it is Jesus himself. Because earlier we read that Jesus is the judge here, not God the Father, but Jesus himself. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's on what we call the great white throne judgment And people wonder, oh, when does that take place? Well, it takes place right here at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, okay? So then we go to verse 12, and it says, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works, okay? And the sea gave up the dead, which were in it, and death, which is in reference to the body, the grave, the body in the grave, and hell, which is in reference to the soul, which would have been in hell for those who left earth and went to hell. So it delivered up the dead, which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. And so this is a second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So let's just real brief talk about this really quickly. And I just want to say that we can see at this point, at the end of the thousand-year reign, Dina, this is where death and hell go into the lake of fire. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's hard to realize it, but death is still
in existence for that thousand year reign. It has to be. We see it at this juncture. And we know because here we see the number of those, which is the sand of the sea, are extinguished by God at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it's not until that point that we see that death is done away with. And I think this is going to become clear as we proceed, because the Lord revealed to me that the reason that we all will be going from this earth and these heavens that we're in now, after the thousand-year reign of Christ, to a new heaven and new earth, is that this particular earth, after the thousand-year reign of Christ, is going to burn up, and it's going to serve as the lake of fire. Whoa. Yeah, you said that in a prior video. That's just incredible. Okay, and so people can believe what they want, but this is what the Lord showed me, and I want to go a little further to talk about this. Okay, so now we're going to go right back into chapter 21, and I'm going to read that verse again, verse 1, and it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Okay, so to understand this, let's take a look, like we have said in the past, to really understand, to make a full understanding of Revelation, you have to study both Scripture from New Testament and Old Testament. And so we're going to go to a verse in Matthew 24, 35, and this is Jesus speaking. And he says, heaven and earth shall pass away. So he had, he had said in the New Testament to the disciples that this heavens and this earth shall pass away. So it's definitely not going to exist at one point mm-hmm. as we know it now. So what's going to happen to this heaven and earth? Well, let me read in Second Peter verse 3, 7, and then 10 through 13. So for the sake of time, I'm just going to read that passage, okay? And it says, the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Okay? He's talking right there about the great white throne judgment that we just read mm-hmm. about. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in, the, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt With fervent heat, not just a little heat, but fervent, like ferocious heat, okay? The earth also, so the heavens and the earth, they're going to burn up. And the works that are therein shall be burned up. So all of it's going to be burned up. And seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Okay, so that's exactly what I'm talking about. There's like two interlocking events going on here. We've got a great white throne judgment We've got people going into what is the second death, and we've got them going into a lake of fire, while exception to that are those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so they have to go somewhere else because the earth is going to burn up. And so the bad people (laughs) are going to be separated out from the good people, and the good people... 
the people of God are going to this new heaven and new earth that God is preparing even now. And then the bad people are going to go into something called the lake of fire. And it's going to be eternal. All right. And death is going to be tossed into the lake of fire. There will be no more death. And let me tell you about death. I think we should praise God for his compassion and mercy that he created death. And by now you're probably going, Susan, what are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about that when the people sinned, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, and they were cursed. They Suddenly the world was fallen. It was a fallen world. And what happens is they were sent out of the garden. They were sent packing by God. They couldn't go back in, and they certainly couldn't go to the Tree of Life. And he brought death into the world as part of the cursing because he needed people to die natural deaths and other types of deaths because what if the likes of adolf hitler and some of these other evil people were had eternal life while the world was cursed in a fallen state every evil person like that we would be contending with today so do you see how merciful god was to create death yes i see your point completely it was a gift to mankind that god stopped that from happening and created death But when he gets to a point where all the people who are in hell for the thousand years during the time that we're living in the earth with Jesus in charge, they will come out and be judged and put into the second death. Well, they will be put into eternal fire, which is the lake of fire, and death will be thrown into it as well because there will be no more need for death, okay, because there will be no more cursing. And there will be no evil to contend with. And so the need for death will no longer exist. But these people have an eternal existence. We are eternal creatures, whether it be going to hell or whether it be going to heaven to be with God for eternity. So this is a serious thing. It's like, okay, your destiny is eternity. Where are you going to spend it? Are you going to spend it in the lake of fire, tormented forever? Or are you going to spend it with God Almighty for eternity, who is pure love and goodness? So you got a big choice to make, and now's the time. And you don't want to wait to make the choice because any time people are, are, you know, standing before the Lord at any moment giving an account of their life. And you don't know when that could be. So you have to get ready even now. Okay, so now... Going forward with this scripture next in chapter 21, verse 2, and it says, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So now we see this great city, which is going to be placed onto the new earth. And I just want to say something. When we see God creating the heavens and earth in the beginning, it's a seven-day process. Okay, and then he rested on the seventh day, as you know. So can you imagine when Jesus says to his disciples that he goes to prepare a place for us, that all this time he's been preparing a place for 2,000 years, and it's the new heaven and new earth? I mean, the concept of what that could possibly mean is just way beyond our understanding, right? (laughs) How awesome the next new heaven and new earth are going to be. Well, God said, you know, no eye has seen nor ear has heard nor has entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. 
Oh, no. And I, you know, we already hear so many stories about how awesome heaven is now. So we just, we can't even comprehend this. There's no comprehension. And in fact, we have to have new glorified bodies in order to actually partake of this new heaven and new earth. Amen. And you know what I'm looking forward to is that in that new glorified body. Yeah. (laughs) I asked God the other day. I'm like, God, is there chocolate in heaven? It would just be so nice. Yeah, with no calories. I couldn't help myself. Sorry. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. There's no question. Okay, so he sees this great city, and he describes it as a bride because, you know, God symbolically describes things, you know, to mean something else a lot of times. Uh, But verse 3, it goes on to say, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So that's fairly self-explanatory. God is within us. We are the living temples of God. And we see it again here. Verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And so, wow, what a, what a wonderful time we have to look forward to. So I like that verse for the former things are passed away. It makes me wonder if um, we're not going to remember all that hardship that we've endured here on earth. I don't know, but I think that it's going to be a whole much better place than we've ever known. And that's for sure. Amen. And it's hard to comprehend being somewhere where evil has not been. It's going to be incredible. That will be hard to comprehend. Okay, so verse 5 says, He that sat upon the throne, that's Jesus, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Well, Dina, we just spent a few minutes there getting a much closer view of the new heavens and new earth. Some more insight on that for anybody who's confused. Now, I want to talk about something called the New Jerusalem, which is unique and different from the new heavens and new earth, which we just heard about. Now, the New Jerusalem is a structure that God builds actually a massive structure and it is the location is an outer space and that is where the dead in christ and we the living who follow behind them in the rapture are taken out to in space this is where god puts his people away during the seven-year tribulation period so a lot of people confuse these two things the new heavens and new earth with the new jerusalem there's a lot of confusion but the new jerusalem is fantastic structure that god puts together to house his beloved church bride of christ during that seven-year tribulation and then it comes down to earth but that is not to be confused with the new heavens and new earth that we just discussed and that happens later at the end of the thousand-year reign of jesus so let's listen closer as we get into discussion about the new jerusalem and i think you're going to find this really exciting let's go ahead forward to verse 9 
And there came unto me one of these seven angels, which had the seven vials, or bowls, we call them, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will shew thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Okay, so we've got an angel here talking to John. And John says, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and shewed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And verse 11 says, Having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So we see here that this jasper stone is clear crystal. And symbolically, the crystal clear stone has to do with the transparency of Jesus Christ. There's no spot in him, and that's exactly what that's in reference to. He has nothing to hide because he's absolutely sin-free. Amen. Okay, verse 12 says, And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. And so forth, it says, verse 13, on the east three gates, on the north three gates, and on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Well, Dina, this takes us back to chapter 4 and 5 of Revelation, where we talk about the 24 elders. Remember those guys? Yes. Now, I had speculated, because we don't really actually know who they are, because it doesn't state, but I had speculated that they are most likely the 12 tribes of the children of Israel and these 12 apostles of Jesus Christ, the 12 disciples, who are the foundations of this structure, and the gates are named for these 24 elders, so to speak, okay? So I have to tell you, I really believe that's who those 24 elders are, okay? That makes perfect sense. And that's, if that's the case, then that's great news, because that means all of them have made it into heaven, and that's pretty exciting. And I also want to say this. There are groups out there that think that the Jews are no longer involved in the future, in God's future. And I've got news for you people. (laughs) They are very much involved. In fact, this holy city is going to commemorate them with the walls and the foundation. So anybody who thinks different that the Jews do not have a big role in the life to come, they would be sorely wrong, okay? <laughs> Where do they come up with these myths? Oh, it's, it's uh, they're corrupt versions, theologies, and cults, and, you know, evil practices, and, and just, you know, religious spirits. Oh, mm-hmm. man, we could go on all day about this topic, but I want to take a quickie minute to talk about a vision that my son had when he was young. That goes along with these gates that we're reading about. Oh, I'd love to hear it. Oh, yeah. This is awesome. You know how you just, the things children say sometimes are so fantastic that you you have to believe it because no child could come up with some of the things they say unless it's coming from God, right? Amen. So one time my son said he had a vision. Now, my son would have these occasionally. I think anybody here is 
you know, some of our broadcasts know that my son does this. And so when he was young, he had a lot of interesting experiences. And one of them was he came to me and he said he had a vision and he saw one, one of the gates of the, of the coming New Jerusalem. Oh, now, boy. <laughs> you know, when a child tells you something like this, you kind of like sit up and pay attention, right? <laughs> okay, so here's what he said to me. Now, I want to tell you that my son and husband and I, we had taken a vacation, and we were out in Nevada, and we took a tour of the Hoover Dam, okay? And I don't know if anybody's ever seen that structure, but I want to tell you, it is a large dam, right? <laughs> this thing is huge, monstrous, okay? And he said, Mom, God showed me how big these gates are. And I said, was it anything like the Hoover Dam? Okay, right? This is what I said to him. And, he, and this is what he said. With total seriousness, he looked at me and goes, no, Mom. It was about 300 times that size. Oh, wow. And so as we get into the size of this New Jerusalem structure, I think you'll begin to grasp that a gate would have to be like Ethan described. So I thought that was pretty awesome that my son had that experience. But I just wanted to share that. So verse... 15 goes on to say, and he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And verse 16 says, and the city lieth four square. So before we move forward, I want to talk about this new Jerusalem as a four square building. And I have a lot of visions, okay? But my very first vision, Dina, was of the new Jerusalem. And so what happened was I woke up one night and I had my eyes closed. And when they were closed, I could see this structure and it was a perfectly square building. And I knew it to be the New Jerusalem, but it was absolutely perfectly square on all four sides. Mm -hmm. And this was really fantastic. It must have been amazing. It was amazing. And I, I would not open my eyes because I didn't want to stop seeing it, okay? But what happened was it just kind of disappeared. So then I and it went away, but it was really fantastic. And again, this is purely specula- speculation on my part, but I kind of believe that the reason God had made it into a four-square building is because it is the location of his church, his his beloved bride, the church, where he is going to house her during the seven-year tribulation and from that point on. So three sides commemorate Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the fourth side is the bride joining him. Now, that's just me, okay? Mm-hmm. That's just my thought. Uh, I don't know. That's just pure speculation on my thoughts. So, but I, I thought it was a nice thought, you know? <laughs> well, we're never really going to know until we're up there and see it. Right. Right. But it is interesting that it's a four square building and I mean city and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height are of it are equal. So it's a perfect square. Okay. And he measured the wall thereof and 140 and four cubits according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. And so I want to talk about the wall alone. Okay, we're going to talk about this city for a minute. There is a wall that surrounds the city, 
Now, if you understand that they have given 40 and 4 cubits, if you understand that it's 144 cubits, that translates to, Dina, the measurement of 216 feet in height, okay? That's incredible. Now, what is 216 feet? For people who don't quite get that, that would be approximately 21 and a half story building. Wow. So that's going to be the basic wall around this building. It will have a 21 and a half story tall wall. Okay, and I assume that's where the gates will be within that wall. That's just, you know, I'm just going on speculation. But I want to talk about the actual city and this huge wall that goes, wraps around this city. Now, the city, it says, is 12,000 furlongs on each actual side. Okay, what does that mean? Well, it actually means that it's 1,500 miles on all sides, okay? Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, if you took this city over 1,500 miles area, you it would be approximately from the Mississippi to the west coast of America. Oh, my goodness. And that's a city. This is the city, one side. (laughs) Or for others, it could be Maine to the southmost, from the point of Maine to the southernmost point of Florida, I read somebody say. And it could be from the East Coast to Colorado. That would be incredible. Right. That would be the full length of any side of the building. Now, when I talk about the sides, I'm also talking about the side that goes upward. Okay, mm-hmm. so can you fathom a structure that would go upward from the base of approximately the east coast of the United States all the way to Colorado up into the sky? It's hard to imagine. Well, I have to tell you that if there were ever a structure that size, forget about what they're doing in these other countries like Dubai. They're trying to see how high they can go. Nobody can top that, okay? (laughs) Nobody can top this. But I want to say that if you saw this structure from another area of the world, I mean, you could literally be in another part of the world and see this structure. That's how high it's going to be. Is that fascinating or is it just That's (laughs) just incredible. He is amazing. God is oh, amazing. Yeah. It's going to be oh, yeah. ab- it's going to be absolutely perfect. And so let's go forward to we're going to go back into verse 18. Hey, before we do that, I got to tell you what one pastor did. I read this and he said he wanted to talk about the mansions in heaven. Oh yeah. And if he said if you took three mansions on a normal city block and you know a standard mansion three mansions on a normal city block and you put them in this structure he said it would take you a million years to tour them all oh my heavens right so if you are planning to see one of your friends you'll be like well i'll see you in a million years <laughs> when i get around to it <laughs> okay i'm joking but there you go all right so that's pretty crazy but uh i wanted to mention that but we're gonna all right, But just to go back just a little bit, the travel in that, you know, during those days, it's probably going to be like, you know, um, 
appearing instead of like cars or you know automobiles oh, or planes yeah, yeah. or anything like that oh yeah we're going to be in these glorified bodies and they're going to function completely different from these bodies that we're in now it'll be amazing it's going to be amazing mm-hmm. well all we have to do is look at jesus he's the first fruit of the rest of us and he had that extraordinary resurrected body for the 40-day period that he was in the earth and remember he would just show up in a room a locked room yes and then he would disappear in front of they'd be having dinner with him and then they'd look up and he'd be gone and so yeah we will be very much like him he was eating fish he would eat fish and bread with the disciples so it's it's going to be an amazing existence So let's go to verse 18, because I want to get into this. Uh, I want to talk about that wall, okay? The building of the wall, which I mentioned before, was 216 feet high, which is 21 and a half stories tall, approximately, which is the circumference of this entire structure. Let's take a look at what this wall is about. And it was of jasper. Okay, so it's, it is made of these beautiful jewels, only I'm not talking like little stones, like we have, you know, we have little rings with little stones on them. (laughs) No, no, we're talking about 21 and a half stories of solid stone in these precious stones. Can you fathom that? Trying to picture it, and I can't. It it has to be, and just imagine when the light hits it. The, the sparkles, oh, it, how beautiful it's going to be. Oh, it's going to be like something that human hands can't make or comprehend, mm-hmm. really. Yeah. Now, let's go forward. And of this wall was of jasper. Now, jasper is blood red. Okay, no surprise that we would see that since I'm sure that commemorates the blood of Jesus. Okay. And the city was pure gold like unto clear glass. Okay, a lot of people, when they think of gold streets and whatnot, they're thinking gold. Now, I'm telling you, purified glass in its most pure form, I'm sorry, purified gold in its most pure form is as clear glass. And so it's going to be as glass, but it will be a form of gold. So verse 19, we see, and the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation... And I'm talking the foundation. I'm not talking about little bitty stones was jasper. And I said that's a blood red color. The second is sapphire. Now, sapphire tends to be in deep blue colors. The third, a chalcedony, which tends to be like a light blue. And the fourth, an emerald, which we know is often a deep dark green a very beautiful green and the fifth is sardonyx which is often red and i'm saying often because a lot of these stones and gemstones they come in multiple colors and so we don't really know for sure but these are some of the colors that we might see the sixth sardius which is also a red the seventh chrysolite which is i love chrysolite because uh, often you've heard this called periodot, which is kind of a light, light green color for people who are born in August. That's, you know, it's that birthstone for August green. And here's a little fact that I want to tell people. There are two beaches on Earth that are made of the sand of periodot. Did you know that, Dina? I did not know that. 
Yeah, two beaches. One for sure is in Hawaii, and I'm not sure about the other one. I'm not sure about the location of the other one, but I know for a fact that one is in Hawaii. And if you go to that beach, it is a light green color, just like the Periodo Stone. And yeah, it is a Periodo Beach. And so here we go. So that is definitely one of these stones in this wall. The eighth is Burl. Again, in its purest form, burl is colorless, so it'd be clear. The ninth is a topaz, which a rare version of topaz would be gold. The tenth is chrysoprasis, which can be a golden green. The eleventh, a jacinth, which can come in colors of red, orange, or yellow. And the twelfth is an amethyst, and I I love amethyst, and they can come in light to dark purples, which are represent royalty and that sort of thing. And the color purple is always represented royalty. Mm-hmm. Verse twenty one, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls, and every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And so we talked about that gold being as transparent. Now, I want to just say something about this concept about the pearl, the gates with these giant pearls. Like, you've got to know that this is fantastic. Right, Dina? Absolutely. And I want to talk about the pearl. The pearl is so amazing because it's made in a mollusk, which has, like, it gets a little piece of something like a little stone or something in there and the mollusk starts encircling that irritant with layers and layers and layers until it becomes a little round pearl and i i just want to talk about this for a minute because do you know that scientists have tried to figure out how the mollusk makes a pearl isn't that interesting fascinating that scientists are looking into that that's amazing they yeah, they came up with a scientific explanation, and for anybody who wants to know about this, it's in an article in the Smithsonian Magazine. And I'll just read just a little bit of how awesome the pearl is. It says that researchers observed kishi pearls taken from Akoya pearl oysters, and they were raised in an Australian coastal pearl farm. Now, these pearls form naturally as opposed to bead culture pearls, And how it works is they used a diamond wire saw, which is very, very (laughs) small, and they cut each pearl into sections and polished them and examined them under an electron microscope. And this is what they found. One pearl formed an impressive, now get this, 2,615 layers over the course of 548 days. Whoa. These thin, smooth, microscopic layers of something called nacre look like little bed sheets with organic material in between. And so these are what these scientists had come up with. And do you know that there is even a system within this process that absolutely has a way to make the pearl perfectly round so that it doesn't come up strange shapes or anything. And it's all done by these little mollusks. So I won't go too much further into this Only discussion. Only God. 
only God. I, yeah, it is just stupendous what we learn about nature and God making this these animals and creatures and things like pearls so basic but so complex, okay? Now, verse 22 goes on to say, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And so there's not going to be a bunch of different denominations on every corner, okay? <laughs> we will be worshiping the Lord, and he will be our pastor. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Verse 23 goes on, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. Verse 24 says, And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it, and the gates of it shall not be shut all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And so there's not going to be evil waiting outside of the walls to come get us that we are guarded from. Because God is going to take care of all of that. And we will live safely in a wonderful world to come. And then finally, in chapter 21, it says, or uh, verse 27, And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so that's how chapter 21 concludes. Okay, well, wow, isn't that amazing? All of that information about the New Jerusalem, does that just excite you to no end, Dina? Yes, it does. I'm so excited to see it. Yeah, it's going to be one fantastic structure. I am of the mind now that we, the rapture church to come, and hopefully hopefully we'll be part of that. You know, everybody wants to be. But the rapture church to come and the dead in Christ to go out first receive what the Bible says glorified bodies. And I'm of the mind that that New Jerusalem is prepared for people with glorified bodies. And that's why those who are in heaven, you know, have to rise out of the earth and receive a glorified body. And then the church that's living comes behind them and receives a glorified body in order to dwell in this new Jerusalem. Now, that's just, you know, a thought that I have about it. That's just something that I've considered. You know, it's a structure that everybody goes to at that point. We, the living, if we're raptured, if we were raptured today, would join our relatives that have gone before us who are already in heaven. And I have family in heaven, I believe, with all my heart. And I would, uh, if I were raptured today, would join them, okay? And we would join up with the Lord in the air, and we would be taken to the New Jerusalem, okay? And then after a thousand years with Jesus on earth, then we would be moved over to the new heavens and the new earth, and we talked about that. But, you know, trying to make this as clear as possible. But before we close this out, we're going to listen to another segment about a fantastic testimony of a vision I received of heaven. And I'm very excited and want to share it. So we'll take a listen to this before we close this segment. I want to close out this section of chapter 22 with a story of heaven 
of a vision I, God gave me of heaven. Are you ready? I'd love to hear it. Okay, I was in prayer one morning, uh, just a usual prayer time, and the Lord said to me he wanted to show me a garden in heaven. And I was like, okay, my first thought, okay, I'm thinking Better Homes and Gardens magazine, you know, the little garden that people have in their backyards. This is what I'm thinking. Oh, you know, got those thoughts. And this is what I see. God gives me, the Lord gives me this vision. And I don't know if you recall these fantastic fields in Holland of the tulips. Yes. You know, they're yes. just going in rows for, you know. Well, that's what I saw. I saw these flowers in these colors, many colors, like a rainbow, that were just going out into these rows that they were going out as far as the eye could see i mean you could not see an end to these flowers it must and, have been so beautiful oh it, it didn't end there the flowers then in these beautiful colors they started to sway okay back and forth and it, it was really pretty okay but then this is what really took it it was those flowers each of them started to change colors the flowers themselves and they were making patterns, like like when you see a kaleidoscope, mm -hmm. and they were flowing. There was all these patterns being made. It was it was absolutely unbelievable, and I was just like, wow. And then, as I'm amazed by what I'm seeing, the Lord brought the scripture up that was basically eye is not seen, ear is not heard, the things that the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. One of my favorite verses. That's perfect. So there you have it. I mean, we have an awesome future ahead for those of us who are in love with the Lord Jesus and follow him and read his word and pray with him and talk with him, have a relationship. And boy, it's going to be an exciting time coming to a world near you <laughs> <laughs> and sooner but, um, than and sooner <laughs> than a lot of us think much sooner. Right. so right okay well is that amazing dina uh we have so much to look forward to the rapture church the those who go forward to be with the lord for eternity he's got a lot of awesome plans that he's laid out even in revelation and also in Isaiah and other parts of the Bible. There's just so much to look forward to. And I am so excited to see that. So excited to be with Jesus. Cannot wait. But for the meantime, we've got work to do. And so with that said, Susan, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us. Thank you to all the listeners. Um, you can find this video on Susan's YouTube, Marriage Supper of the Lamb also here on my channel, also on our Rumble channels, BitChute channels, and in podcast. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, and Susan has a new website. It is www.endtimesprophecycatalog.com, and I highly encourage you guys to go over there and check it out. She's got her books on there. You can download them in several different languages. She's got um, Song of Solomon, the Book of Daniel for Beginners series, 
just a lot of good stuff. She also has a link uh, in Chinese, also in Spanish. So I highly encourage you to go and check out her site and I will leave that link below this video. So with all of that said, please do leave your comments below this video. We love hearing from you guys. So feel free to leave your comments and Susan, is there anything else? Did I forget anything? Uh, just thank you to you, Dina, and the listeners for joining us every week. We love you guys, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Yes. All right, everybody. Thank you, Susan. Thank you to the audience. God bless everybody. Talk to you soon.